Welcome Beyond the Walls with Team World Vision. It is September, my friends, which means race weekends are here. From half marathons to marathons, this weekend, the Team World Vision Triathlon team is crushing 140 miles of swimming, biking, and running for the kids. That's right, 23 athletes have continued to say yes past race cancellations to take on the first ever Team World Vision Triathlon in Michigan in a socially distanced form this weekend. These 23 athletes from across the country have raised over $200,000 for clean water and fullness of life, and they are not done yet. Friends, this is a true legacy team carrying a team average of over $10,000 per athlete. Give it up for this team. Be praying for them and cheering for them as they take these long, hard steps this weekend towards an incredible finish line. As our triathlon team toes the start line this weekend, many of you are staring down your longest miles in training. It's a good time for us not to think about how much farther we have to go, but how far we've already come. Today, we're going to go back to the beginning, back to our yes. Today, we get to go back to a powerful message brought to us by the one and only Nick Maroki, our Team World Vision Area Director of Kansas City, from the pulpit of Ashland United Methodist Church this spring. While we had very few in-person church launches this season, Nick was able to bring a powerful invitation to our Kansas City team two months ago. I have listened to Nick's words a couple of times now, and each time I have found myself deeply challenged with tears in my eyes. I hope this word challenges you and encourages you as well. having me guys it's so good to be here with you this this season's been like a season like none other usually i've been in so many different churches but this is actually the second church i've been to this whole this whole year and so that's actually so good and refreshing to be here with you so thank you for having me here uh so my name is nick and i am the team world vision area director here uh, for kansas city uh so i I want to start off with just uh a thank you uh, because last year you guys did something really, really cool. Uh, it was your first year joining us to do this cl- crazy clean water thing. And you would think that for your first time, you kind of try to find your, your, your steps and do, do, uh, try to figure out how you're going to do this thing. But you guys like went crazy and raised over $45,000. That's what it was, Sean, just clear. $45,000. All right. Uh, and that's, that, which means more importantly, that's over 900 kids who now have access to safe drinking water and opportunity to fullness of life. So I just want to say thank you for doing that and saying yes to moving your feet uh, last year. Uh, so a little bit about myself. I have actually uh, been on staff for about a year and a half. Uh, and to be honest with you, this is the last place I thought I would be back in April of 2018 when I first got a call about this position. Uh, you see, back then I had a great job working from home. Uh, I wasn't too stressful. I didn't have to do, go do any traveling. Uh, in fact, I, sometimes this is, I don't, yeah, I can tell you this. I find myself doing a lot of golfing on lunch breaks, uh, and I really, it, I, 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 it was a good gig, right? Uh, and I didn't see that what God would probably, God was calling me out of that to something else. I had a hard time processing that when I got that call. Uh, but here I am sharing that story with you today. 
Now, looking back, though, I can tell you that I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, I'm so glad that God called me into this work. Uh, I'm convinced that he had a purpose when he flipped my world literally upside down. Uh, now I can testify today that I've seen him work firsthand, uh, and that purpose has, come to, purpose has come to fruition right in front of my own eyes. Uh, but like I said to you earlier, I would have, if you'd have told me a year and a half ago that I would be running marathons and traveling to churches and all in the name of clean water and vulnerable communities, I would have told you you're crazy. Uh, did I tell you I did a little fish on the side too back in my old job? Uh, and so all these things I look back though and I say, God had a purpose, right? Because when I look back my story, uh, when I was a kid, I remember watching my parents. Okay, my parents, they did ministry. And watching them, I could see it looked so hard. I felt bad for them a lot of times. I would say, how could you do this? Why don't you find something that's easier? Something that you don't have to be breaking your back for and struggling all the time for. Uh, I remember one time when I was 15, one of those, you know, dad and son drives where we're talking about life and the future. Uh, and I'm sure this did not go the way he wanted to. But I said to him, Dad, uh, I just want to tell you one thing. One thing, you'll never see me working in ministry. And you'll never see me standing behind a pulpit. The irony in those words kind of makes me smile today, though, right? Because here I am. Uh, looking back, though, I, I kind of see what that was. That was my fears and my doubts that were telling me that, I, you know, that were scaring me to have that perspective. I couldn't believe that someone could have such faith and reckless trust in something and in a process that just seems so overwhelming. And maybe you feel like that sometimes, too. It turns out, though, that, you know, what my parents were, were, were building, what they, their perspective was totally different than mine. You know, mine was birth based on earthly gain and personal comfort, the things that I thought I needed uh, that they didn't have. But theirs, you know, their, their, their mission, their vision was rooted in a strong faith, a faith that they had sold out to years and years before. Um, and they were committed to sharing the love and the gospel to anybody who would, who, who would be willing to listen. And they didn't care what it cost and what risk they had to take. It took me uh, probably uh, most of my adult life to begin to understand uh, why they chose that calling. Uh, you know, for me, my story starts back uh, in March of 1983, guys. That's, I just gave you my birthday. I don't know why I do that. Uh, but send me a birthday card. Uh, to be exact, uh, I was born in, in, in Nairobi, Kenya, right? Uh, my parents, George and Ruth Maroki, had no idea uh, the journey that God would take them on. And we can jump to that first slide here. You'll see at the time uh, I lived, uh, we lived in a one-room house with a dirt floor, right? At the time, I didn't know what we were poor. I didn't know that we didn't have much. I, to me, I had no idea. But the world outside was going to grow really big for me really quick. Because when I was four, my family relocated to the United States uh, it was a l l huge leap of faith for my parents, and I can only imagine that their own, what their fears and doubts must have been telling them as they packed the little they had and moved halfway across the world uh, to a land they knew a little about. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 and 9, it says, By faith, Abraham, when called to, to, to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of that same promise. You know, that leap of faith, you know, reminds me a little bit of my parents' leap of faith. When they left Kenya, uh, that decision literally changed the trajectory of their life, my life, right? 
My parents ended up uh, coming to the United States in uh, 1987, um, and they went attended Bible school, and were able to go back to Kenya and, and, and start do a min- start ministry work there, back in the community that they grew up in, even with the school that still operates today. Uh, they would split time between Kenya and the U.S. that would allow me and my sister to, to go to school here, but also spend time in Kenya. Um, but it was during those years that I really started to see the price that uh, sometimes we, we, we pay when we choose to say yes to God's calling. Uh, my parents worked tirelessly to raise money to keep the ministry going. They faced countless setbacks, uh, but were always continuously faithful to that calling. Uh, we drove uh, older cars. Uh, we uh, wore a lot of secondhand clothes, and we ate a lot of budget-friendly meals. Uh, in fact, one of my favorites, or not so favorite, was something we like to call George's McDonald's. That's my dad's name, George. Uh, and he, that was his attempt at recreating the McDonald's experience. Uh, but you know, we always give him A for effort. We'll say that much, okay? Um, I was always angry though, right? I was always angry wondering why couldn't I have these nicer things that my friends had, uh, the big houses, the you know, nicer cars, uh, you know, the, the, the vans with sliding doors on both sides. That's not a big deal for people now, but back then I'm telling you, it was a big deal, all right? Um, and it, it, that was hard for me to, to understand and, and, and not know, know why I couldn't have those things. Now, let's stop and think for a second, right? Uh, here's young Nick from, you know, he's, he's having these, this, this moment of crisis. Uh, but he's not understanding that he's not back in Kenya living in a one-room house with a dirt floor. Uh, he's not eating the same meal. In fact, he's not worried about where the next meal is even going to come from. Uh, he's not wearing the same clothes every day. Uh, but somehow he has the audacity to complain about life being really, really, really hard. Wow, I can't, it's like, it's humbling thinking like I, that was a process of my mind back then, but have you ever felt that way maybe? Have you ever lost perspective? Like, you know, not knowing exactly what God has actually poured into you and the things that you've been blessed with? Well, I wonder, what did that attitude look like for my dad? Uh, we can go to that next slide here. Uh, here's a guy, uh, this is where my dad grew up. In fact, this is where I spent the first four years of my life, believe it or not. But here's a guy who literally grew up in the poorest, one of the poorest places on the planet, right? He and his family literally ate out of the local dumps to survive. And here's his son complaining about not getting to go to McDonald's or, you know, wearing secondhand clothes. I know it had to break his heart at some level, and sometimes it probably just he couldn't understand it, couldn't couldn't process that. In hindsight, you know, I, I look back and I know I had it pretty good. Uh, but when you're young, or sometimes you just lack vision, it's often difficult to see the many blessings God has right there in front of you. If you're like me, you'll hear God calling you to hard things sometimes, and immediately you allow those fears and those doubts to tell you that you can't do those things. No way is God calling me to do that. But I do believe that God is calling us into things, hard things. And I'm not just talking about sponsoring a child or, or running a marathon. Uh, I believe God has often called us to make sacrifices uh, every day in our own lives for our neighbors, for our friends, our community. In fact, these choices sometimes seem uh, counter, uh, they challenge the current worldview and circumstance that we are living in. And these choices are hard, but God usually has a real purpose in asking us to take on these challenges. If we take the time to listen and obey uh, that call from God, oftentimes we're surprised by what's on the other side of that. 
A uh, while back, I remember asking my dad uh, another one of these father-son conversations. I think this one a little different for me this time. I said, Dad, uh, what was it like back in, you know, when you first moved, like, you know, the decision was made, you're coming to the U.S., how were you, how were you excited? You know, I was thinking this idea of coming to America and this chasing the American dream in, in some ways. Uh, and I, I was telling me all these things he was excited about, but he said, you know, I was actually terrified. I had a lot of fear. Like I, I didn't want to go. In fact, your mom was the one that really made us do this whole thing. Uh, and so there was just so much fear then. I just could not believe he said that, but it started making sense, you know, because he actually was the first one to come. He came a year before we did. And uh, I remember he, tell, he tell, telling us about how when he landed in the U.S. with just a couple, you know, hundred bucks in his pocket, um, in, he landed in New York at JFK International Airport. And uh, I couldn't imagine what a guy who grew up in, you know, the slums and you know, a, a, a place like where he grew up coming to America, being by himself and getting off the plane and being confronted with this new reality, this new world. The step of faith that he was having to take at that moment must have been overwhelming. Uh, but he said, you know, it just I had to take one step at a time. Right. And that's what it's like for a lot of us. One step at a time. Um, and eventually we'll get where we need to go. For those of you that joined us last year, you probably know that feeling, right? Uh, that idea of like going to your first group run was probably terrifying or taking on your first mile, whether it was walking or running, you felt like, how am I gonna do this, right? But one step at a time, that's how you did it. And I was able to, to meet so many of you at the finish line, which is such one of my favorite parts of the year. So, you know, the question I always ask myself, why would, we, why would I do any of this? Uh, what was driving, wh why would he do this? What was driving him, what was moving him forward? Uh, as I came to learn, it was, a it was his conviction to live out the gospel. He was willing to risk it all to pursue the mission and vision laid out for us in the gospel, particularly in Matthew 25. Uh, in verse uh, 31, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit in his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I needed clothes, clothes, you clothed me. When I was sick, you looked after me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes or clothe you? When, did we, when were you sick and in prison and we went to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of, the, of my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. For a long time in my life, you know, I've, I've, as I started to realize the things that, were, that I was blessed with, I, I started really having a sense of guilt. I couldn't, re, I, I couldn't understand why you know, my parents had this strong faith and I couldn't have it, and I didn't understand it. Uh, but as I started to grow up and, and see what was happening around me, God started shifting my heart. And I started to understand that my brothers and sisters were all around me, not just here in my own community, but around the world. And it was my responsibility to jump into that fight and allow God to flip my world upside down and to begin to see the, the vision he had for me more clearly. Uh, it's a big part of why I'm standing here today. 
Uh, the revelation that was inspired to me to, inspired me to join World Vision and, and do this crazy thing where I'm, I'm running, running marathons and speaking at churches, going against everything I thought I'd ever be doing. Uh, when I got the call to come here uh, to join World Vision, it was back in April 2018, like I said earlier, my initial response was no. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, my, I told my wife, there's a lady that's supposed to call me about this job. I'm just going to tell her you got the wrong person and you know, give her the bad news. And that was my intention the whole time. Uh, but when she called, you know, she didn't even really ask me about the job. She just asked me to pray about what God was doing in my heart for, for clean water. That's pretty clever on her part, right? Because I, you know, of course I have to pray, right? I'm going to pray about that. And when I began to pray, I started to realize something. Uh, I started to realize that God was calling me into something. And he was calling me to, 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 to change my view and my perspective once again. Um, and... I started to realize in that process that it was my fears and my doubts that were keeping me from saying yes. Because I wasn't, of course I want to be a part of this. I want to do something special and help, help the communities that I grew up in in Kenya, right? Why would I, why would I not want to get up, come off the sidelines and do something? And I realized it was my fears and my doubts. They, those were what were dictating my steps. And maybe some of you feel that same way today. Maybe there's something you feel God calling you into and you are wrestling with that decision, what decision to make. My prayer is that you would take some time to seek God and consider how you can help, how you can step out in faith and maybe do something you've, you thought you were not capable of doing. How can you step out and risk it all for the most vulnerable? How can you allow God to rewrite the narrative of your story? You know, for, my, for me, my, that journey started with a phone call from a friend uh, asking me to consider this job, but that's not where it ended, obviously. Uh, so much has happened since then, but I want to share with you just one, one more story. Um, a couple months ago, and we can go to the next slide here, I got to do something really unique. I got to go to Uganda and visit the field to see the work the World Vision was doing. Uh, and uh, I, it was really cool because I got to see all these smiling faces. Uh, it was like an out-of-body experience. A guy, you know, coming from Kenya, living in the United States for all these years, then going back to Africa and being part of this work, the work my parents had been, you know, doing and, and, and sacrificing so, so much for. Uh, it, you know, it was such a cool thing to see in these kids and their smiles and the clean water that we were bringing, the fullness of life. You know, but that's just one side of the story. There's another side, right? In this next slide, you'll see the, the other reality, the hard things that God was calling us into, that he was calling me into. This young lady took us on a walk, uh, a walk I'll never forget. This is, she took us on a journey, the same journey that she takes every day for, for water. Uh, and I remember walking down this steep, steep ravine uh, with her, and uh, at the bottom of this ravine, she knelt down. Here she is drawing water. I don't know how well you can see this water, but this water is filthy. Water you and I would, wouldn't even consider using to wash our cars with. And uh, it, it immediately broke my heart because here in this next slide, you'll see why. All I could think of in that moment was my own three little girls, Emery, Joelle, and Tessa, right? All the way across the world here in Kansas City. This was not their reality, all right? Their world looked very different. But what if this was their reality, right? What if they were growing up into this and they had to wake up every day and walk miles and miles each day to access water? Water you and I wouldn't even use to wash our cars with water that leads to sickness and death. A lot of the kids in these areas don't live to see the age of five, all right? My oldest, Emery, is going to be six in September, and I praise God for that. Right now with COVID-19, right now, we know how important it is for us to have access to water to wash our hands you know, hygiene is so important. Access to safe water has never been more important than now. 
But that's all the bad news, friends. I know that, that that's, that's heavy, but I got good news. As you know, World Vision is one of the world's largest, is the world's largest non-government provider of clean water on the planet. And that's why we want you to consider joining us again this year for the Kansas City Half or Full Marathon on October 17th. And I know right there, I'm like, you're asking the question, well, Nick, we know last year the race happened. This year that race is probably not going to happen, right? And I'm saying, I, I, you're right, it might not. Now, right now, they're saying it is. But if they don't, whether it happens or not, we know that people, if you're not comfortable going to the race, we're going to create a race day experience for you. Uh, World Vision is great at creating those kind of experiences for all our people. And so we want you to know, we, one way or another, October 17th, there's going to be a race day experience for, for you. Uh, but I also know for some of you newbies, we lost you at running and marathon in the same sentence. And if that's you, that's okay. I, you know, I, was, I felt the same way. But for a lot of us who took on this challenge last year, uh, a lot of you were new, and uh, you were able to cross that finish line with that plan we had. Uh, right now, we're in the end of our base training, and we actually are starting the, our new 12-week training plan for those who want to do the half. So you still have time to join us this year. Uh, maybe you think I have so much going on in my life. How can I add one more thing? But we know this one thing could transform your life, and, tr and it will transform the lives of people around the world. Uh, all you know, people of all shapes, sizes, and abilities. Uh, you know, and I told you guys I was born in Kenya, but I don't. I don't run like a Kenyan, right? I, I'm slow, right? So if you're slow like me, feel free to walk or run this thing with us, okay? So here's how you're going to do this, right? We're going to um, pull out your phone, all right? We're going to give you a, a way to get more information. Uh, texting in does not commit you to join the team. It just means you want to hear more about how you get more involved. So you're going to pull out your phone. You're going to text in uh, for you online too, to 44888. That's 44888, and you're going to text in the word Ashland. Uh, texting the word Ashton to 44888 is going to get you more information about how you can get more involved with us this year. Uh, and I know, like I said, for a lot of us, you know, we have so much going on in our world today. And you're asking yourself, how can I add one more thing? And the world is crazy. But for me, this is something that's been life-giving. I've been getting outside has been something that I've needed. Re-engaging with my community and serving other people is something that I need to do right now. So I hope that you'll listen to that voice in your head. The, the one that, not the one that's saying you can't do this and this is not for you. Listen to that voice that's saying that this is something God is calling you into. Long enough to text in and hear a little bit more about what we have here for you in World Vision. So thank you so much for having us today, and I look forward to connecting with all of you soon. Thank you. I am so thankful for the faithfulness of George and Ruth Maroki to follow God's call on their life and the model that they were to so many, including their son, Nick. When I think about Nick's perspective as he watched his parents do the hard work of ministry and then the impact that they had on his life, I find myself thinking of the witness each one of you has as you move your feet this season in the unknown. While some may think that you are crazy, Others are thinking you are crazy inspiring. True leaders rise not while things are easy, but when it's hard. You, my friends, are leading with bold love and courage, inviting people into a generous and caring world where the inherent dignity of a person is recognized and broken circumstances are restored. You are ushering in the kingdom of God right here on earth. God has called us into hard things 
to make sacrifices every day for our neighbors and our friends and our communities that do seem countercultural. And but as we do it, he's building his kingdom culture in us and through us. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. See you next week.